Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 48 of my podcast, I Stand Strong. I, as always, am Teddy, coming at you from my bear cave in the concrete jungle of the beautiful Midwest. Uh, that's right, we are creeping up on episode 50. Um, not really a big deal to some, but for some reason it seems like a big deal to me, and we will see if I can pull off what I want to pull off for my 50th episode. But anyways... <clears throat> To the episode at hand, um, it's time to finish off my three-parter. Um, you know, it's I, I wish I would have recorded this a little sooner because I finished Mass Effect 3 um, actually a couple weeks ago probably, so it's not as fresh in my mind as it could be, but who the hell cares? Um, you know, it it a lot of it still sticks in my mind, so... Let's get on with it. Uh, you know, part three. You know, I remember uh, I played this one right when it came out originally. And, um, you know, I, I remember playing through it and and liking it. But feeling, you know, there were aspects that uh, may have fallen short. But we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but, yeah, so, okay, part three, you know. You know, following part two was going to be a daunting task to me because part two is is probably one of the most epic games, you know, made in a long time. So to me, you know, it it, it was it was definitely going to be an uphill battle for them to make a, a, a successful continuation slash, you know, uh, conclusion to, you know, the, the Commander Shepard story and his... His ongoing battle with the, I almost said Geth, the Reapers. Um, so yeah, part three, we, you know, we follow, you know, they don't really make it clear how long it's been since the the suicide mission at part two, where you, you know, you take out the, the Reapers, uh, or you, you go to the Reaper base in the middle of uh, the, oh, outside of the Omega-4 relay and... Yeah, they don't really follow, you know, they don't really tell you how long it's been, but you know, you know, it's been, actually, I think they do maybe say it's been like a year, maybe a year and a half, because after the mission, you know, you, depending on the decision you made, which the only true decision is to go against the, uh, the elusive man and destroy the base because to, you know, to keep it and like keep the knowledge would have just been, you know. What the fuck ever, you know? I mean, it's like, it's obviously which, you know, which side was good and which side was bad. And of course, so you, you are now pretty much uh, grounded on Earth um, at the beginning of the game because once again, you know, you, you, you know, the, you know, Earth's uh, government as well as the, you know, galactic government kind of are still like you know refusing to believe the the reapers are exist and you know in the second game you did a there was a mission you could do i don't know you might have been able to miss the mission um i'll have to google that one later because i didn't think about that where you you have to basically destroy an uh a mass relay to stop the reapers from coming through at this one point and by doing so though you kill a lot of Batarians, um, who really aren't a good race anyways, but still, you know, you kill a lot of innocent Batarians because destroying this mass relay causes this huge, you know, explosion. And I don't know if that's, I, I don't think I, I did that mission in the first time I played Mass Effect 2, but somehow, you know, you're still grounded in part three. Um, but anyways, you know, you're, you're there and you get called to a, uh, you know, like basically the earth government basically calls you in to talk to you about something. Cause there's like, I think it was, there's, if I remember right, it's like, there's, you know, there's something they're reading on the edge of space that they don't like. And, you know, if this is the Reapers, is there any, you know, like any precautions we can take and you pretty much you make it across like this. And if the Reapers are already in our atmosphere or are already in our, you know, solar system, we're, we're fucked. But while this hearing or meeting is going on, basically the Reapers hit earth. So then pretty much the prologue just becomes 
you trying to get off of Earth or you know, like basically repel somewhat of a an assault on Earth while quickly realizing you're not going to, you know, there, there's no... There's no stopping this. Nobody was prepared for it because nobody listened to you. Um, and yeah, it wraps up with you, of course, getting on the Normandy uh, with... Oh, God, I cannot remember the name of the character now. Um, anyways, the, it, it's a party member that is uh, voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. I can't remember his name because he, he really is kind of just like a stock character to me. Um, there are a couple moments where he gets to shine, but it's really not a, a real, like, deep character. Um, but him, and then, depending on who who was in your party, or in the first game that survived, either Ashley or Caden, um, they will, go, you know, join you on the, the Normandy, but you leave... Uh, Admiral Anderson on Earth because he decides, like, I'm not leaving Earth. I'm going to stay and, you know, like, basically try to lead a, a, a guerrilla's resistance. He's like, because you're the only one that matters. You get off the Earth. You can rally the other races to help us try to, you know, stop this invasion. Um, and, yeah, that's, like, basically your setup. So now you're off on the Normandy and you have to try to start rallying the other races. Um, and much like you'd expect, you know, all the other races are like, well, no, you know, that's that's Earth. Tough, you know, tough shit, Earth, but we need to protect ours because you quickly realize that the, the Reapers didn't just hit Earth. They are hitting Earth hardest possibly, but they also go after the Turian home world and sooner or later the Asari home world. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it becomes a quest. Um, um, you know, the game kind of like to me, one of the things that kind of hurts it is it does feel like it's just basically playing politics the whole game. You know, you're, <clears throat> you know, you you go to the Turian home world, and you know you end up only going to a moon because you need like basically the the highest ranking Turian you can get to try to help you rally the Turians to join your cause. But, you know, like the Turians, when you finally get there, you find out like the, the Turian you were going there for, I can't remember what his, his rank was. He's basically, he's dead. So now you need to find um, this other Turian, uh, you know, like military leader. But when you get him and save him, he's like, well, I'll lo I'd love to help. But, you know, I'm not pulling Turian, you know, our Turian forces away, any Turian forces away from our home world unless you can get the Krogan to join us and help us, you know, defend our, you know, our uh, our home world. Then I'll, I'll agree to allow the Turian, you know, to like help send help when you go to assault the, you know, to try take back Earth or whatever. So it really kind of becomes a, oh, well, okay, so I have to, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, oh, I have to go get the Krogans to, to, to agree to help the Turians who they hate because the Turians were, you know, kind of a big part of the Genophage. And then, of course, the Salarians are, you know... The Salarians don't want to help because, you know, you're trying to help the Krogans. And, you know, it, so it's, it's a lot of po politics involved. Um, but that said, I really do kind of feel like, for the most part, you have some really good basics in this one. Like, especially some of the stuff, like, where you run into some of your, uh, you know, some of the older party members. Because, um, like, as you go, you'll get... Uh, missions from admiral hackett or admiral anderson about like hey you know we're we're hearing weird reports from this place you know could you you know if you find the time could you get over there and help this place and usually when you go to those places you'll end up finding someone from your old party like for example you get told of a um a biotic institute that like, you know, like they, they're training biotics that are supposed to be, you know, they're getting them trained so they could, you know, basically fight in any way, you know, any way they could see fit. 
but there's weird reports coming out like that you know they've lost communication and all this kind of stuff so you go there and you'll uh you find jack who in the second game was this very conflicted character uh really rough around the edges but she's kind of found her niche where she's now kind of like a, a teacher to these biotics and within that mission you even start to see some more subtle things that they add in there like there's decisions you can make involved there like okay yeah you help these biotics get off you know like survive this assault of their institute but jack tells you at one point time when you're you know when you're helping her get these students out alive she's like listen you know they want them to be frontline you know frontline soldiers i like these kids i'm partial to them but they're not re- you know they they're not ready for frontline he's like she's like so if you could use your favor to you know basically you know suggest that or like you know maybe you know like and suggest that they should probably be used for like more um like secondary like you know like shielding in the back or you know augmentation kind of thing that's where they really shine and of course at the end of that mission you get a point where it's like Hey, you know, we heard you save all these biotics. You know, where should we send them? Like they want your your input and you could either say, "Hey, put them put them in the front lines. Let's get them fighting. Let's have them like just destroying people." Or you can say, "Keep them in the back, you know, back as, you know, like basically like like I said, augmenting our forces and whatnot." <clears throat> and I don't remember what I did on the, my first playthrough of 3, but on this, you know, this one I said, like, you know, let like I listened to Jack's suggestion, like, "Yeah, let's put them in the, you know, the background so to speak and she's happy with that decision and it seems like as you get emails later on from her on the the normandy you know there's that seems to be working better for them in the long run even though the kids are kind of like oh man you know we wanted to be we wanted to be badasses like jack we wanted to be up there fighting you know the 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 front line and but you know they understand they're like you know listen we're gonna go where we're told to go kind of thing so it's it it has a lot of subtle nuance, and like I love, I love the fact that you run into all the old character or most of the uh, the older characters, including even the um, well, one of the the DLC bone like characters from the second game because you find Zaid eventually again, and you get a like he kind of helps you, um, but you do get a much smaller party in this game. Like you don't like in the second the thir- the first game. You had a smaller party of like characters you could swap in and out of your party. The second one, you had this huge roster of characters you could have in your party. And the third one, they really kind of streamlined that back to more of closer to like what you had as far as a party for your um, for the first game. But the cast of characters does seem to work. Although off the top of my head, I can't think of who most of them are. Like I remember who I had. Like a majority of the time when I did a mi- I was doing missions, it was um, I would have uh, Liara because she's back in your party as your sorry companion, and that that is awesome. Especially since I had the you know I was trying to carry over the love story through all three games with her. Um, and then I'd have Edie, who in this game finally gets a human body or. Well, a robotic humanoid body. Um, so like the ship's AI that, you know, from the, for the game starts becoming a party member. And it, she is awesome to have in your party for some reason. I don't know why I enjoyed having her in my party so much. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, like, yeah, you have Caden or Ashley joins your party full time eventually. Um, Liara, you get her after like your first mission off of Earth. Um, Edie, you get her like two or three missions in, I want to say, but yeah, it, it really kind of, like I said, to me, I think what hurts it is the po- politics of it. Yeah. Like I said, you see, so you have this whole, like I said, you know, oh, the Turians want you to bring the Krogans in, but the Krogans won't help the Turians unless you agree to solve the genophage. But if you, if you cure the genophage, the Salarians won't give you any help. And the Asari are kind of playing 
uh, you know, Switzerland in this one where they're kind of like, no, we're just going to be doing our own thing until suddenly they're in trouble and they suddenly need your help. And they're like, okay, well, you know, since we really need your help, we're going to tell you about this thing we found a long time ago. And this is kind of like why we're the most technologically advanced race in the galaxy. And that ends up playing a part. And it all kind of ties into like, you know, you're trying to build this weapon that I believe it's the mission you get Liara. You find out that there was basically a weapon that was thought of like there's plans for this weapon that believed is believed to be able to destroy the just completely destroy the reapers but you need to get more research to figure out how it works and of course you need to get more resources to build it quickly so i guess you know, so it also has like a little bit of a resource management kind of thing so it's like you know then um, you know, they pare down the the scan it the planet scanning function where in the second game it's like you'd scan a whole planet to get like resources. Where in this one it's like you go into a planet, if it lets you scan it, basically there will only be one thing on that planet that you know you'll you'll bring up your scanner and it'll guide you with this little arrow within your scanner to go to a certain point. You hit a send a probe there and you might find you know, like uh, a splinter group of Turians or a Sari or something like that. Or you might find, um, you know, some piece of knowledge that will go to a side quest somewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, it really, they, they did some, they definitely did some interesting things. But I mean, like I said, on the core of the story is kind of just help this race so that they'll help this race. So you'll have the resources you need to go, you know, to assault, to, to try to take back Earth um, and build the Crucible, I believe is what the name of the, yeah, I want to say the Crucible is the name of the, the weapon you're trying to build. But really it's like that, that like very simplistic story is actually kind of like does have a lot of little things that, you know, it's, it's a lot of the background stuff that I find really stands out in three to me. Like, like the, the quest of, you know, you, you agree to try to help cure the genophage. So you go to a planet where supposedly the last of, um, the female Krogan that was, uh, experimented on in the second game by, uh, Morden Solis's like apprentice or whatever. Um, yeah, you go there and you find out like that there's one Krogan that was experimented on that they actually found proof might actually have cured the genophage. So they can use her to basically, you know, like, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, like basically reverse engine, reverse engineer a cure that then they could spread across the Krogan home world to cure all of the, um, the Krogan of the genophage. And that brings Morden back in, which, you know, like, so yeah, you, you save the, the last Krogan female and so Morden Solus is there because everything he did in the second game made him realize what, what he did at the time when he refigured the, the genophage to make it, you know, more effective um a long time ago like he realized like what he did was was necessary to make sense because like he'll never apologize for what he did but he also understands that it's not fair now like that that, that this this is what his true life's work should have should be is to fix this this somewhat mistake he made um and yeah, so he comes back on your ship. He doesn't join your party full time, unfortunately, but he does, you know, come back onto the ship. And while you're doing missions, like basically he's working to find, find the full cure and then figure, excuse me, figure out a way to spread it across to Chanka to basically cure all the Krogan. Um, because it's like they, they couldn't use enough of this female Krogan's blood to just make like individual things. So they have to find a way that they could disperse it. 
and thus, you know, thus becomes there's this, uh, there was like this tower that the, um, the Salarians built and it, you know, it actually ties back to the work that Morden Solis did before, like to spread the, the re-enhanced essentially genophage across because they realized that it wasn't holding as well as it should have. But they can use that to basically disperse the cure. But the second this comes out, of course, the like the prime minister or whatever you want to call the like the head of the Salarians is like, no, you know, if you if you, you know, we put a back door in that, that if you don't tell anybody about you could say that you tried and it didn't, you know, but it didn't, you know, you could you can make it look like you tried to spread the cure but it won't actually happen. And so like it leaves you a decision like can you say something you can either not say anything and let Morden Solis go through with trying to spread it and thinking he spread it but it didn't work or you can tell him listen there's this flaw in it that if you don't compensate for it's not going to work. So of course I told him about the flaw but um and it really, it leads to probably the, mo- one of the most emotional points in the game. Because you go to T'Chanka, you're doing this mission where, like, yeah, you're about to go, you have to fight your way to this tower. And it comes out, like, basically Morden tells you at the end, like, after this epic battle between a Reaper and a, uh, like, the mother of all the Thresher Maws that like is revered by the um by the krogans you come to the foot of the tower and basically he lets you know like yeah i somebody has to release this manually we can't you know we can't just put this in here run away and give it a timer we have to do somebody has to do this manually the problem is the second this disperses whoever's the person doing it is is not going to survive and it's this great moment where you're like, you're trying to find another way. And Morden's like, no, there's this is the only way to do it. And it has to be me. Anybody else would screw it up. And it's this great moment of, you know, he goes up there knowing he's going to die undoing, you know, kind of his, his biggest, he never calls it a regret, but you can tell it's like he kind of does realize there is, he does kind of regret what he did back in the day. So it's like him undoing his regret. And you get this great scene where he's up there and he's, you know, doing the typing and he starts to do his his uh Gilbert and Sullivan uh musical song about being a scientist solarian and as this thing's exploding around him as he releases the cure. And it's this really great moment. It's like, it is one of the few moments in the game where it's like, you know, I'm fighting not to tear up. It is such a great moment for that character, especially when you look at like how cold hearted he was about the genophage at the beginning of two, when you first get him and you find out he was part of the genophage project to, you know, the second game when he finds his, you know, he finds his like old assistant or whatever, who's, now trying to cure the genophage, but the way he's going about it is barbaric. And you talk him into keeping those, you know, those results that he was getting because those could be used later on. And then, you know, if you just destroyed all, all the death that he, you know, all the death and torture he put on these, these female Krogan would be useless. Um, or well, all those, the, all it would be for nothing. But so, you know, he keeps those, so you get him to keep those notes. And that, in that moment, he kind of realizes how, how bad maybe the decision was, but then, you know, to this point where he's, you know, he's like, no, this, this is something that needs to be undone. The Krogan deserve a chance. You know, they need the, they need to prove that they, they need, they deserve the right to prove that they weren't going to do what everybody was afraid they were going to do. Cause of course everybody was just afraid that these Krogans were, you know, raised up, I think is the word they use for it too soon. And they weren't ready to be, a major power in the galaxy. So they were, since they were still very like clan based and whatnot and barbaric, they were just going to try to, you know, like overtake the whole universe. Well, give them a chance to prove they're not going to do it before you take such harsh actions. Um, 
but yeah, so he, you know, Morden Solis's exit from the the game, so to speak, is is both awesome and sad. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then you like you 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 run into like all your your old crew members though. But um, the stuff I didn't get to do in the the original play of the third game though, that was in this the legendary collection was where the game shined. Like it, it's sad that it had it had to have this stuff added to make it what it what it became, what it's become. But like the you know there was a DLC where you get a Prothean team member. Um that Prothean team member is pretty awesome. Like it's pretty cool to finally get a Prothean character. So you actually get to find out like his story. Like you you get his story on the mission where you actually unlock him. Cause like he's in a like a basically like a cryo tube, and you get the story of like how he ended up in the cryo tube, and when you release him, you you know, and he agrees to join your party. The more you talk to him, the more you kind of find out about how like, yeah, he's the last of his race, and he, you know, he remembers a lot of these races. Like he remembers the Solarians as just being this lizard race that you know they thought nothing of at the time. And he only ever knew a life of war. Like he was even born years into the Reaper invasion um, of the the galaxy. Because I mean, it wasn't like the the Reapers came in and they destroyed the entire galaxy in a day and were gone again. They came in and slowly, systematically, you know, just destroyed the universe, and you know, did what they needed to do to for their their cycle, so to speak. And he was born years into that. So he never knew a life where there wasn't a war with the Reapers. So it gives you like another kind of like, you know, snapshot into the universe that you never saw, but also to understand, you know, how brutal it really was when the Reapers fully invaded, so to speak. Um, And then... I also never got to play until now the Citadel DLC, which is really kind of the, in many ways, it's kind of the um, the real good like send off for all the characters because it's like you know you go back to you go to the Citadel because you get a message from uh, Anderson Admiral Anderson that you know he has this old apartment on there on the Citadel that he doesn't need anymore. But he, you know, he wants to give it to you, you know, like, so you have a a place for downtime when you're not on the ship and you can just kind of like relax in between, you know, trying to rally the races. But then it leads into like, you know, you go to a a sushi restaurant with um, Joker and you get attacked while you're there by this mercenary group, which leads into finding out that like, Basically, Cerberus, um, when they remade you, they did make a clone of you at some point in time. And this clone basically is trying to take over your life. And this is only like the first part of the Citadel DLC. But it makes these great moments of kind of making fun of Shepard in some ways. As well as... You know, I mean, it really makes for some comic relief in the long run because, you know, you get Rex joins you for the for like a large chunk of this mission, helping you try to take down this clone because like he's trying to rewrite it. So he's the original shepherd and tries to lock you in this vault. And it is just so much fun. Um, But then it becomes like this whole thing of like, oh, yeah, anytime you're back there, you can you'll get like voicemails from certain other members of, you know, of your previous parties. And they'll be like, hey, yeah, you want to hang out next time you're on the Citadel. So, you know, like there's a a point where you go to um, basically like a augmented reality, um, like shooting. It's like, I don't know what what to call it. Like it's like a, a war game basically. And Jack really wants to let off some steam. So she's like, hey, how about you meet me at this thing and we'll we'll you know we'll we'll do a game we'll do a round of this game. And so you do that with her and it's really fun. And then 
or down to like stuff like you just invite them up to your apartment and you sit there and just have kind of conversations with them. And it's really kind of a send off to all the characters that in the original game, you really don't get like, there's a couple characters that get pretty decent um, send offs like Garrus. Um, in even in the original game, there's a point where Garrus is like, Hey, you know, the galaxy is about to end. I've always wanted to do this. What are they going to do? you know, fine us for going to the top of the Citadel and having a shooting contest. So you and Garrus fly and, you know, take a, a vehicle up and sit up there and you, you BS. And then he, he wants to prove he's the better shooter than you. So, you know, he throws a can and has you shoot it. So then you throw a can and he shoots it and he's like, okay, now I'm not going to go so easy on you. And he throws his can and it gives you an option because the, the good bad in this one carries over from the second one where it's like right trigger is a bad, you know, is your renegade points. Left trigger is your paragon points. So he throws this can and if you choose the renegade, like if you click the trigger when it pops up for the renegade thing, you shoot the can. If you don't, you like miss the thing basically on purpose and let him believe, you know, he was the best shooter in the world kind of thing. And it's this really fun, just quiet moment with him. And that's really where the game, I think, stands out the most is the quiet moments, for the most part, are really, really well done. Um, but yeah, anyways, like, so in the Citadel DLC, though, like, it all wraps up with a party. Like, you decide you're going to throw a party at your um, your apartment and everyone basically from this game that's still alive comes to this party at some point in time. So it's like, you'll be doing certain things and you'll go around and talk, like have conversations with certain groups and you'll go and talk to this little, like, um, you know, like assistant, I, I can't remember what, I want to say his name is like Cypher or something like that. He's a little glowing orb kind of like digital assistant thing. And you tell him either to wrap down the party or let's get this party going a little stronger and of course, I kept making the party, you know, a little more wilder. And you get these little moments where it's like, you know, yeah, it's uh, the Freddie Prince Jr. voiced character is arguing with uh, Jack, Caden, Liara, and Jacob about how, you know, straight muscle of a of a just grunt soldier is better than a biotic any day and so you get this argument between you know the, the two sides so to speak and of course you get to have your say which i don't think really has any bearing on like friendships or anything but of course like i chose like dude no yeah i'm sorry like you know, a, a regular muscle bound dude doesn't stand a chance against somebody who has mental powers so to speak and so like they start floating him around and messing with him or there's a great moment where you find Grunt who's well into his drinks at this time. And he's at the front, like basically like the, uh, like the intercom to it. Cause like so, somehow a bunch of other people have heard about this party going on and they want to come up and join commander Shepard's bash and grunts up there. Basically just, he clicks the thing. No clicks, it, you know, hangs up on him, brings up the next one. Not interested clicks and he gives you the option so like you can go on and do like like tell people no and he's just having so much fun with this little thing and it builds a character without really any action going on um but then you get you know like but yeah so you have this party and it all wraps with you taking a picture with everybody and the only thing that sucked about this this party to me was there was one party member because I did it a little too I did it a little sooner than I probably should have. So I want to say Miranda wasn't there, and then Tolly wasn't there. Um, I'll get into why Tolly wasn't there in a little bit because that was actually partially my fault, not because I did it too soon. Um. So yeah, so like there was a couple party members over there. So I might go back and play three at some point in time and try to do it so I have like every party member there. Um, but yeah, so, you know, but throughout the game, you also get, you also start finding out that basically after you turn, like basically you and your, your crew turned their backs on 
the elusive man, basically, he still went forward with research into the Reapers. And he's actually started experimenting with basically his own version of indoctrination. So the soldier, the Cerberus soldiers are, you know, like loyal to him because they're indoctrinated to him kind of thing. <clears throat> so in many ways, like the elusive man is kind of the, the face of the main enemy in a way in this game. Um, as well as his new like right-hand man, I think his name is Kai Lang. He's like basically this badass assassin um, who at one point basically like you're you're looking for the Solarian counselor, I think contacts. He was like, hey, I need your help. I think someone's after me kind of thing. So you go back to the Citadel and you do this whole mission where basically, yeah, you find out Kai Lang is there trying to assassinate the Solarian um, ambassador or uh, not ambassador, uh, counselor. And you save him, but then you get to a point where like, basically you're in a fight with Kai Lang and he goes to stab you and get stopped by, um, oh God, I just lost his name, Thane. Um, and Thane takes, basically takes a, a really bad wound to the stomach from Kai Lang's sword. And earlier in the game, you run into Thane. He's like not going by Thane because, you know, he has to keep a low profile because people know that name as an assassin and he's worried they're going to arrest him. But he wants to stay on the Citadel close to his son. And because he's, of course, he's dying from Kepler's or whatever. I can't remember what the name of this, the disease he has is. But this wound is basically, they make it very clear that he's not going to survive much longer. So, of course, you get a message from his son like, hey, my dad would really like to see you before the end. If you could swing by the hospital, please do so. And this brings up the second most emotional moment in the game, which is you basically go to his his uh, hospital room and... He's not doing well, but his son really wants you to do this prayer with him, you know, in his father's uh, hospital room. So you'd go through with this prayer and shortly after Thane passes. And that's that's sad enough. But then there's the moment where, you know, you you ask the question to his, his son, like, hey, you know, Thane's already, you know, I thought Thane had already pretty much made peace with where he was. So why did we have to do this prayer for him? And his son's like, no, you don't understand. My father didn't want the prayer for him. The prayer was for you, basically. And it's the whole gist of the prayer was forgive, forgive, forgive me for the things I've, ha I'm gonna, going, I've done and I'm going to have to do to be, you know, to, to better this situation, so, so to speak. So it's really kind of Thane realizing that Shepard's going to have to make some hard decisions that are going to be hard to, you know, like to deal with. So kind of praying for forgiveness. And it's this really touching moment. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, God, I, I love, like I said, all this, the small moments of the great are the great moments to three. Um. So, of course, you get to, uh, you know, like I said, as you're going, you're going to, like, be building resources. And you only need, like, a small amount to get, uh, like, really, I think you only need, like, maybe 75% of the bar filled to get, like, to, to, to make this assault. But... I remember in the original game, which they took it out of the Legendary Collection, and I'm kind of glad they did because it was kind of stupid that they did this in the original one, even though it did make for some fun. Um, in the first, the original release of 3, there was like a multiplayer aspect. And if you wanted to get that bar above a certain point, you had to go in and keep doing multiplayer missions. And they were really just kind of things like, oh, you're on this planet now, hold this position against waves of Cerberus. Or, oh, you go to this planet, now you're going to hold waves, uh, hold this point while collecting data points from, you know, like collect data points while uh, defending against the, you know, the Geth or the, the Reaper forces. 
Um, and while I remember that being fun and I did do it so I could get like the full bar, um, I'm kind of glad they didn't do that. They kind of took that aspect out of the game because it really was kind of a slog because you really didn't get a whole lot from doing those multiplayer. So you had to do a lot of multiplayer to build that bar up. Um, yeah, um, I guess... Yeah, let's let's get into why Tali wasn't in my party for that uh for that party because um yeah I, I I fucked up on that one um cause I like partially because the missions weren't really clearly labeled but there's a point where you you go to the uh the quarry and homeworld which. The whole game, she's been talking about how much the Quarian race would really love to get back their home world because they created the Geth. Like, they created the Geth as helpers. They The Geth became too too intelligent. So the Quarians basically decide, oh, God, we have to stop this essentially close to an AI force from existing, thus starting a war. The Quarians lose their home world to the Geth kind of thing. Um. And thus, they're like on a flotilla. They're basically just a, a wandering, like they're a band of gypsies, essentially. Um, but there's a point where you get sent, you get like basically asked to come to uh, the Corian homeworld because they really want to take it back. Well, when there's a couple different planets where you go there, there'd be there'll be like three missions on that planet. You want to do all the side missions before you do the main mission there, or it can have effects. Unfortunately, like I said, one of the missions was like really like really weirdly labeled. So I accidentally did the main mission before finishing up one extra mission where you basically like you uh you have to go after like um an installation of um geth fighters and I didn't do that one. I accidentally did the main mission before that. So when you get to the end of that mission, you can decide to basically, hey, Legion shows back up in this mission. He's like, hey, if you allow me to, I can sacrifice myself and pass on this upgrade to the Geth and we can stop this war as long as the Corians are okay with doing it. Well, by not doing that Geth fighter, like, you know, Geth fighter mission, something because of that doesn't play out well. So basically, like, if you decide to keep the Geth alive and, like, give the, allow them to do this upgrade, the Geth just destroy the Quarian race. And because of that, Tali basically goes out, like, it ends on this like, kind of, like, cliff. And she stands on the edge of the cliff, takes off her mat, her breather mask, because she's on her homeworld, gets, like, basically two breaths of the air of her home world, and then commit suicide. And just to rub it, rub a little more salt in, your, in the wound on this one, it gives you a paragon option to try to like save her. Like gives you the belief that you can save her from dying. But no, you hit the button and you dive, but you can't catch her. So Tali died in my playthrough, which it sucked. And I so badly want to go back and replay to keep her alive. But at the same time, like, you know, Tony pointed out to me, it's like, hey, I got something different in this playthrough. And that was kind of cool. Like, I, I saw something that went differently. Just like the first time I played through three, because I romanced Miranda in the second game, and I didn't go back to the romance with her in the third game, she died in the mission to help help her sister. And... Neither Michelle or Tony, when they played it, got that, had that happen. So the only thing I think, it was just because I romanced her in the second game and I didn't romance her in the third. And I remember like, like Miranda died. What the fuck? Um, but yeah, no, it's... Three has some really, really good points and some really, really weak points to me. Um... But yeah, so you know, you but you you do you do the missions you need to do. You get everybody on vo- involved. Like eventually, even the Salarians come around to help you because they're like, "Hey, we need to," you know, like we're screwed if we're not part of this. So we're you know we're gonna we're gonna give you help after all. 
So you get your bar to where you need it. You know, like I said, I went even further because I wanted as much resources as I could. Um, and thus you, you know, you, you go in to, to take on the reapers, reaper force on earth. Um, but before you do, you find out that basically the elusive man has let the reapers know that you have this, this weapon and also let them know that basically the weapon is useless without the citadel itself. So the reapers basically take over the citadel and jump it to Earth's atmosphere to atmosphere to basically protect it from you, you know, getting the crucible attached to it. Um, so the reapers know you're coming. You have to do this, but you have to take this back because you need to get the the crucible going. And it leads to an a pretty epic, like I won't lie, it leads to a pretty epic and kind of butt puckering um, battle on Earth because like you have to fight your way to a certain point that'll allow you to teleport up to the citadel, <clears throat> so you can open the arms and the crucible can be attached. And during that battle, like there's one where you have to take out a Reaper, but you have to get these like ground to air missiles, uh, surface to air missiles up and running and it hit to hit this Reaper. And while you're doing that, like you're basically like having to update the, like basically the, the guidance system. And during that, you're fighting off a bunch of, um, oh God, what did they call, uh, Oh, geez. Sirens, I believe. I want to say they call them sirens, which are basically like uh, they're Reaper indoctrinated Asari. And they are a pain in the ass to fight because, like, they take a lot of damage to drop. Um, And, like, they send a bunch of them at you as well as a bunch of brutes, which I think, if I remember right, are like a cross of Turian and Krogan's that are indoctrinated. Um, so yeah, you fight your way to this, this like last push and you get to a kind of a quiet point where you can like basically vid call all your companions and talk, like get your last kind of goodbyes with them. But like I said, without the Citadel DLC, it's really kind of anticlimactic. You're like, it's just like, oh yeah, you know, we're going to fight kind of thing. You don't really get a whole lot of resolution um, so then you do your final push and during the final push, like basically it's, you're just sprinting straight for this like pillar of light that's going to teleport you up. And in the meantime, there's a freaking Reaper just destroying the ground around you and you get hit. And here's where a lot of people kind of feel, okay, the meaning of this game is Shepard dies in this assault. Thus putting him like, you know, like everything that follows is just like his mind uh, dealing with being dead or being indoctrinated. But, you know, because like, you know, yeah, you take this big hit. Somehow you get up, you're severely injured and you kind of limp your way the rest of the way this light with a couple. I think there's like a couple like uh, Reaper husks that attack you. And if you don't hit them with a gun, you know, you don't shoot them quick enough, you can die, but, and you get up to the Citadel, and when you get up there, you're in a part of the Citadel that no one's ever seen before, um, a lot of people believe it's, like, probably where the creep, the keepers, like, you know, kind of, like, hide out when they're not fixing stuff on the Citadel, and you're in contact the whole time with Anderson, who, the last time you saw him was on that push, too, so you kind of assume he's dead until that point, but you're on radio contact with him and you it ends in like this, you know, or the path you're on, which is just kind of like a straight path, leads to this central hub where you find Anderson and the elusive man who's now extremely doctor indoctrinated and doesn't believe that he's he's not in control kind of thing. Um and yeah, it leads to basically just a lot of conversation. Like at this point in time, it's a lot of conversation between you and the elusive man. How like, no, you're being controlled. You need to understand that you do, you cannot control the Reapers. 
the Reapers have you so freaking backwards in your mind because you've done this indoctrination to yourself. There's no chance you're, you know, you're not, you're, you're thinking clearly kind of thing. And I want to say the elusive man basically like kills himself at the end of the conversation, but he's already shot Anderson in the gut. And so you have this whole moment where it's just you and Anderson sitting there and Anderson passes away, which was emotional to me, but didn't hit nearly as hard as the Morden Solis or the, the Thane Krios death. Come to think of it, it didn't even hit as hard as when Tali committed suicide because like that that destroyed me when it happened. I'm like, no, I can't lose Tali. Um, but and then you go to, you know, you enter you open up the arms, the crucible attaches, and now you're in the final thing, which in the original game, this was extremely anticlimactic. Because basically you get into this, you know, you go into the crucible part. And it basically is just there's this VI of this little kid that in the beginning of the game, you see this little kid in the events. I forgot. I kind of forgot about this on your while you're trying to escape Earth. You see this kid in event and he refuses to come out and you turn your back to say something to Anderson and the kid's gone. Well, the next time you see the kid, he's getting on to like an escape ship. But if you do pay attention, nobody really notices this kid. So the, there is theories that this kid's just in Shepard's mind. But um, the kid gets on this escape ship and is flying away. And then the escape ship gets blown up by a Reaper. Um, so, and and going throughout the game, you do see this kid. And like, there's, there'll be points where Shepard has this dream where he's running through this forest. And you'll hear random conversations from earlier in the games. And you're always chasing after the kid, but you never catch up to him. Well, suddenly this kid is the, you know, this VI and it explains that the VI only took that because they took the image from his mind. And you have three choices ahead. You can use the, was it the red light? Basically, it's a red, blue, and green. Um, you, you go to the red side. You basically can, you destroy something and it'll basically kill all synthetic life. Not just the Reapers, the Geth will die. Hell, even a part of you will die because at that point in time, your character is even partly synthetic because in the second game, the way they rebuilt you. You can take the blue path, which is basically agreeing to um, take control of the Geth and make the, or the, not the Geth, the um, Reapers and basically force them to pull back. Um, and in either one of those cases, all you're going to do is like, yes, you'll do this now, but it'll, the cycle will start again. Like, cause th that's what basically the crucible is telling you, like, no matter what you do, the cycle will begin again. But he's like, however, because of things that have happened and because of who you are, there's something about Shepard in this point that opens up a third option, which is a green option, which is basically you assimilate with it and it will basically make all life forms one race. Like all life forms will basically be part part synthetic, part human. Thus making it, there's no need for war. There is, but it will also stop the, and it should stop the, the cycle. There will no longer need to be a cycle of, you know, man creates and, you know, creates, uh, robots to help them the robots basically become too too intelligent and try to wipe out humanity thus the the reapers need to come in and you know whatever and it is kind of anticlimactic in the original game because like of course i choose the assimilation one you know you dive into the beam and then it sends this beam across the the galaxy basically through the mass relays um and you see the Normandy crash on this random planet. It opened the door opens up and off comes Joker, Edie, and Liara, I believe, and they all look almost normal, except for like they have glowing green eyes, and there's like like almost like um what's the word for it? Like synthetic pathways, like you can see glowing throughout their bodies. And I want to say in the original game, that's kind of where it just cut off there. And then it cuts to the credits. And then you get this scene with this old man and a kid walking, like 
way you're like you know, you're you're seeing them off the distance walking and there's a moon up and it's like the kids asking his grandfather like hey you know is is that is that story true and he's like yeah you know it all happened one at one point in time and and it ends with the kid like you know hey grandpa could you tell me another story of the shepherd and he's like yeah i think we can get one more story in and then it ends we're with this one like and i knew they had they had already edited the ending a little bit um, cause they added something in. I think this might be what it was. Cause I don't remember ever seeing it again or before was it starts to show like a lot, like it doesn't have like full video, but it shows like images of these different planets as the, and like how it's affected, you know, the universe and like how, you know, now the Krogans, like everybody, every time it shows like another race, they've got the green eyes with the, you know, the neural pathways or whatever, Synthetic pathways kind of like slightly glowing around their faces and whatnot. And it's a little more satisfactory, but it's still like, you know, it still kind of is like, you know, like either give me an ending where Shepard dies and it guarantees everything's destroyed or Shepard just wins and is like, you know what? I'm done with this shit. I'm going off to, you know, I'm going off to just retire and be in a quiet life with with whoever your love interest was at that point in time. In my case, it was Liara this time. And, you know, it really, it clear, it really is clear after playing, you know, a second time through that Liara is supposed to be the love interest of that franchise. Like her, the end between him and her is probably the best payoff. Um, So yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a serviceable ending, but you know, I still feel it does kind of struggle as far as a, a wrap up to this epic game series. But it's by no far by no means the worst in the franchise because Mass Effect Andromeda was a train wreck. But then again, you know, you see some of the you know the stuff behind the scenes on that, how it was, you know, it was rushed, delayed, rushed, delayed. Not even half, it wasn't even near finished when they released that game. On top of the fact the story was just bad. Like that story was like so struggling. And it doesn't even take place after Mass Effect 3. I think it actually takes place between 1 and 2 maybe. Because I want to say there's just references because it's it's supposed to be in like another galaxy. And I want to say they make reference that... Commander Shepard has just started this, his quest, like midway through Andromeda. I can't remember. I'll have to officially look that part up. Um, but yeah, Andromeda was not good. Um, even if some of the gameplay ideas were pretty interesting in it. And the idea, the overall idea, I guess, was interesting. It just was a horrible execution. But um, yeah, I guess that's, so there it is. My my trilogy talking about the 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 Mass Effect trilogy. Um, I know there is there has been a trailer for a Mass Effect four that might hint that kind of hints that maybe Shepard's coming back. Um, but really, there's no way of knowing till this game happens. And at the same time, with the the fall, you know the the. The bomb that was Mass Effect Andromeda and the bomb that was um, Dragon Age Inquisition. Who really knows what's going to happen with uh, with this game? Like, I, I'm trying to be hopefully optimistic about it. Um, I'm trying to be optimistic about it just because, like, I want to have another great game in this franchise. And if they can find a way, even if Shepard's not the main character, but maybe you find out you know, something like, you know, maybe it's a descendant of Shepard or maybe Shepard's just a mentor to your character. I'd be interested to see what they do with it. Um, so yeah, with that, I guess I'm going to say, please play the Mass Effect trilogy. I know I didn't really sell the third game great because it is, it's a good game. It's still better than I'd say 80% of games that come out. It just doesn't live up to what one and two really set up for it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say thank you for listening. Thank you to, uh, everyone who supports me on doing this. Um, thanks to Spider for my art. 
And yeah, I guess I guess that's that's pretty much all my thank yous this time. If you want to reach the show and tell me how right or wrong I am on this, please. Um, you can reach me at standstrongcast at gmail.com. Uh, with that, I guess I will see you in two weeks for episode 49. Till then, see ya. See ya.